13 through 18. James chapter 3, uh, it's on page 1012. If you'd like to use a Bible from the church, there should be one in front of you. James 3, beginning at verse 13. This is God's word for us today. And here's what God says. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false about false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. For there is no word like your word. To have your word before us is, it's a treasure. So help us by the very presence of your spirit. Help us to spend these next moments together considering your word. May you teach us, but may you transform us. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, James takes a a slight shift, beginning in verse 13. Not a major shift. In fact, I would suggest to you we're still in the same section. He's spent the first 12 verses of chapter 3 talking about the tongue. And now he pivots just a bit and shifts from a focus upon the tongue to uh, eventually where he's going to land is a focus to... Uh, t- from the heart, where the, where the words of the tongue stem from and come from. And this morning, how he adds to this conversation about the tongue is he explores this critter uh, known as wisdom. Two things I want us to think about this morning, just from verse 13. First, I want us to note the inquiry uh, into wisdom. And then secondly, an indication of Wisdom. James asks a question there in the first half of verse 13. He makes an inquiry of of us where he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Be careful. It's a trap. Don't know one answer out loud just yet. In fact, some of us may be on to James by now. Earlier, speaking of faith, back in chapter 2, he says, um, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Can a guy who claims to have faith really have faith? Well, maybe not. Similarly, we've been baited for this question, Who is wise and understanding among you? Just because we might shoot our hand up, uh, we might uh, hit the buzzer, thinking this is a game of Jeopardy, 
just because we might say we have wisdom doesn't mean that we have wisdom. We might verbally claim to have faith. We might verbally claim to have wisdom and not have either. I was struck by a, a proverb that I think fits in this context uh, in Proverbs 29.20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And if you read the Proverbs, there's not a lot of hope for a fool. So in other words, so when we are hasty with our words, hasty with our answers, it's not treated as a good thing. So who is wise and understanding among us? Well, you know, a lot of times when Jesus was asked a question, uh, he oftentimes before he answered that question, or really as a means of sort of answering that question, he answered that question with a question. So who is wise and understanding among us? Uh, let's first work on a different question before we answer who is wise and understanding among us. Let's just ask the question, what is wisdom? I mean, before we fully answer the question, we've got to know what this thing is so that we might better know where we think we land and where we actually do land on it. I want to answer the question, what is wisdom, with four parts to it, and uh, not four separate answers, but just I'm just going to build on, on this in four movements. First, wisdom is not just knowing something. There's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but that does not necessarily qualify one as having this thing called wisdom. Uh, not, just simply knowing something um, is, is not the full scale or scope of wisdom. Wisdom does include knowing something, but wisdom is a skill of applying what we know. Uh, that we have this ability, this skill to know when to apply what we know, how to apply what we know, and why to apply what we know. We, we could still know lots of things and not be wise in the sense that we, but we don't know how to take that body of knowledge, that information, and, and work it into a real life situation and scenario. So wisdom is not just knowing something, Wisdom is the skill of applying what we know. A second layer to that is wisdom is skill for living. In other words, wisdom is, is not in that proverbial ivory tower kind of realm of life. In, in particular, when I say it's skill for living, it's really actually moral skill for living. It is, it is having an awareness of what righteousness looks like, coupled with a sense of how righteousness gets worked out in particular settings and in specific situations. A third 
component, building upon that. So wisdom is not just knowing something, it is the skill of applying what we know. Wisdom is moral skill for living. It is, it is having an awareness of what righteousness consists of and, and knowing how to work that righteousness out in particular settings and circumstances. Wisdom is moral skill uh, for living that expresses itself in relationship with others and is obtained through relationship with God. First of all, it expresses itself in relationship with others, which is really what the subsequent verses in this unit, verses 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, will really be, um, at this moment, my plan is to take two more weeks now and look at verses 14 through 16 and then verses 17 through 18. And really what we're talking about is how does wisdom work itself out in community? How, how do we take that moral skill in living and how does that... Uh, improve our ability to relate to other people. Really, verses 14 through 16 uh, uh, speak of, if you would, a false wisdom. A A false wisdom is a relational train wreck where there is selfish ambition uh, and, and bitter jealousy, there is um, disorder. Uh, there, is, there, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Contrast to verses 17 and 18 that touch on true wisdom. And you see the difference that that makes in terms of relational uh, relationality or community with each other. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's open to reason, it's gentle. It, it, it harvests a, 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 a uh, uh, it, makes, it produces a harvest of righteousness which is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, so wisdom gets worked out in community because wisdom is for the purpose of relationships. And of course, wisdom is obtained through relationship. You don't have to, you just even a cursory reading of the book of Proverbs, which, which is a, more of a concentrated dose of thinking about this critter called wisdom where we learn early on in chapter one of, of the book of Proverbs that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Living in right relationship with the God who made us is the starting point. When, when you and I attempt to live apart from God, then among other things, we will not have this critter called wisdom. And then... Just a note as a fourth component to this thing called wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowing something, but it includes the skill of applying what we know. Wisdom is the moral skill. In other words, having a sense of an understanding of righteousness and knowing how that righteousness gets played out. And wisdom is, 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 uh, pertains to living in relationship with, with others. And then uh, notice he says there, uh, who among us has wisdom and understanding? I just want to touch on that second word. It's, it's not an altogether different word, and, and yet it is a different word because he lists two words there. And so I think we would just nuance our understanding. Um, uh, from the Lord, we receive both wisdom and understanding. And I would say the difference between the two is perhaps understanding from the Lord is the ability to obtain God's perspective concerning his universe. It's, it's, it's predicated on the assumption God knows a thing or two about the world that he has made. Uh, we need his under. How does he view things? What does he think about things? 
So wisdom entails that sense of understanding, uh, but then, uh, but that understanding then takes and becomes wisdom as it applies that understanding through a framework of moral virtue. And and that's really, it's really, perhaps. Uh, the most significant aspect of this critter called wisdom. Wisdom is not just having smarts. It's, 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 it's having moral smarts. It's having a moral IQ, if you would. It's, it's knowing that there is a right and a wrong and knowing uh, the difference between right and wrong and having the ability to walk in that right and wrong well, you don't want to walk in wrong, do you? But, but as you walk, knowing the difference between right and wrong, and, and that would shape the way that we would, we would live. So that's just something about this inquiry. Not ready to answer the question yet, but we're, about, we're getting closer. Who is wise and understanding among you? No, 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 no show of hands just yet. Because now in the second part of verse 13, as we explore an indication of wisdom, James is going to explain to us how he wants us to answer the question. Now, he wants us to answer in the affirmative. I don't mean it that way, but, but the manner in which he wants us to be able to answer in the affirmative. His wish for us is that all of us would be in that category of wisdom and understanding, uh, but, but, but here's how James wants us to work that answer out. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. All right, so back to the original inquiry. Um, who is wise and understanding among us? Uh, James then indicates how he wants that answer to be provided. Don't say it. Show it. Don't say you have faith. Going back to the conversation from chapter two, don't say you have faith. Show me your faith by your works. Don't, don't, don't say you have wisdom. I got eyes. I, I can see that. We have eyes. We can notice that. Uh, um, if, you, um, if, you, if, you, if you tweet a picture of yourself and, and uh, let us know you have wisdom, we're probably not buying it. Um, but you can go ahead and try, but that, that would be another manifestation of the wrong manner in which James would encourage us to uh, answer the question. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. There's a couple of components to that answer. First of all, there's what I would just say, there's the platform from which James wants us to be able to answer that. In, where he says, by his good conduct. Really what he's describing there is by the normal, routine manner of your life. In other words, there, there should be something about just the normal, boring life that you have that you and I could uh, observe someone else's boring, routine way of life and, and we, could, we could just about come up with an answer uh, 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 for somebody. In other words, uh, that, that you and I live with a certain <clears throat> trajectory to our lives, that we have a, uh, a resolute, uh, definitive showing in our conduct that we are qualified for this critter called who is wise and understanding among you. So really, the answer gets worked out 
in just the daily routines of, of our lives. In other words, in that sense, all of us have a pretty huge body of work to, to show how we would, how that question would be answered for us. But then he breaks that down into two components. So it's just a general way of life, the routines, the trajectory of our lives. And, and, but then he gives that, that from that platform, uh, he gives two expressions. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So, our actions should validate an answer to the question of whether we have wisdom, understanding, or not. And our attitudes should help validate an answer to the question. And I would, I would suggest to you, I don't want to be overly fastidious about this, but, but James is insinuating that it's, uh, it's, not a, it's, it's not a pick one or the other. It's C, all of the above. It's both of the above. Uh, it, it, it's like we would show our good works. We would, we would have a lifestyle that would be uh, displaying uh, a presence of good works in our lives. Now, um, I, just as a side, sidebar, while, while James isn't um, really uh, encouraging us to speak uh, a validation of our, of our wisdom and understanding, I, I do think that sometimes our, our, our words can be a part of this critter called good works. It's just that in this case, our words are not words in the sense that I do, I have it, you got me right here. Um, but 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 the but it would be the, the deployment of our words uh, to for the good of somebody, not not the deployment of our words to boast our claim that we are wise, but but to the deployment of our words that would translate into good works that would use our words to encourage, to build up, to admonish, to help, to strengthen somebody. That would be an example of good works. In other words, there's a, there's a trajectory of our lives uh, that it, by, the, by our way of life, our good conduct, in which along the way our lives are cluttered with expressions of good works. In other words, you and I could not um, spend long in each other's lives before we would start tripping over each other's good works. Because your life is full of them. Our lives are, would be full of them. But not just good works. Good works carried out in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. That word meekness sometimes gets really misconstrued as it's used in the scriptures, used a lot. Even Jesus himself says, come to me all who are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then in context, he says that he is meek and lowly. Sometimes we connote that sense of meekness with someone who's like, I don't know, kind of a not quite gelled piece of jello yet. You know, it's just like a, a real kind of weak, flimsy kind of, kind of thing, 
but meekness in the scripture is, is not in any way, that it doesn't have anything to do with being a weak pushover. Really, the connotation that, that is played out in the scripture when it talks about meekness is really categories of, of gentleness and humility. I know those, I may be stronger than you, but I'm not going to pull my muscle on you. Now, it's hypothetical, I'm not stronger than you. But if I, but if I was stronger than you, I, I, uh, or I may be smarter than you, again, that's another hypothetical situation, but, I, but I'm not going to pull out my smarts in, in, in order to like crush you. In other words, I, I would have a weakness in how I would use my strength and, and how I would use my intelligence. I don't have to use my strength and my intelligence to, to get one up on you or to elevate myself. Why? Because I would have a certain meekness that would, that would internally limit me from using my strength and my intelligence to crush you. But I could crush you. Don't you forget it. I just know I can't, but hypothetically. Or maybe another word that I think uh, maybe connotes how, what he's suggesting here is Modesty, not, not just modesty in the clothes you would wear, although that could be a part of it, but, but, but just modesty in terms of our attitude and demeanor. So that when you put the two together, uh, uh, let, 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 him, let him show his good, but, but by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Have a life that's full of good works. But don't talk about them. Now, is it possible for something to genuinely have happened if it doesn't show up on social media? That's really the question that I think our culture asks. You know, it's a, you don't really do something unless you post it. Yeah. Well, and I'm not, I'm not taking a shot at, at all postings on social media. But, but we could maybe use a little bit more sense of modesty in the sense of, okay, enough of me bragging about me, now you brag about me. So, uh, but we, we, could, we, we, we could just kind of limit our ability to showboat and to brag in ourselves and, um, and just, you know, so no one fully understands how great of a guy you are. The universe is going to continue on with that. We're going to do just fine. In other words, we don't have to be self-promotional. We, we, we don't have to like build our brand. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We, we, don't, we don't have to elevate ourselves. Just look, just do your good works, thereby showing yourself to have wisdom and understanding and, and, and be humble about that, to be modest about that. I'm so grateful for uh, the raisin that, that I, I received. Um, my, my parents really, this thing called modesty, um, this thing called meekness and humility, I, um, I didn't really have to go very far to see that modeled for me. They, they just, that's just who they were. They didn't, uh, they didn't really try to put on any sort of airs about them. They, they just lived a quiet life, minded their own business, worked with their hands, took care of their family. Uh, and, um, and so, but when, when Gerald Braden died, hardly anybody knew him. 
cluster of immediate family who knew him. And that was good enough. It's, it, just, it was good just to leave it at that. Why? Because in a sense, he embodied something of the spirit of, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Okay? A life that does good things, but a life that doesn't have to promote the good things that it does. So, um, or a, a proverb that I think fits into this, Proverbs 27, 2 says, um, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger, and not your own lips. Well, how do we get such a critter like that? And that's really how I'm gonna, I'm gonna close us out here, uh, just building upon this indication of wisdom. How would we have, how would we acquire this thing so that we could indicate that we have it? How, how could we um, obtain the ability to show, not just say, but show we have wisdom understanding uh, so that our good conduct, our trajectory and way of life uh, has been transformed so that along the way of that, of that trajectory, we are consistently laying down a pattern of good works and we're doing that with humility. Well, perhaps maybe a suggestive starting point on how do we get this, wisdom, this critter is maybe a, kind of an agreed universal consent that none of us natively have this critter. Proverbs tell us that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It's kind of, in other words, the, the, the basic unit that comes out of the factory, uh, it, 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 the, the chassis upon which our life is built is that of foolishness. None of us come out of the factory with native wisdom, with innate wisdom. Now that that's that's kind of that's not that's not nice to say. I mean, did he did he just call us all fools? Well, no, I didn't necessarily. Only if the shoe fits, wear it. But I just said we all start out with foolishness. We we all do. We all do. We all start out that way, uh, and um, uh, we. Um, and, and, yet, and yet, here's the wonderful news. The, here is the basis of hope. Um, God's got more wisdom than he knows what to do with. God overflows with wisdom. And you know what? He's generous uh, uh, with, with, his, with his wisdom. So that even earlier in James chapter 1, when he's talking about rejoicing in our sufferings, uh, because there's actually some good benefit that, come out, that can come out of suffering. You're like, Shh, yeah, really. So, so says the guy who's never suffered before. You know, but then, then he says, no, if, if, if anyone lacks wisdom, if anyone lacks kind of a, a perspective and an understanding on, on how we can rejoice in aspects of suffering, uh, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Say, Lord, I, I, uh, I, I, I think I'm in need of wisdom. In that context, God's not going to say, get away from me, kid, you bug me. God's going to say, come here, come here. I, 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 got, I, got, I got plenty. Let, let, let me give you some of my wisdom. And yet, of course, now the warning in there, and then in, in chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 5 is, if anyone likes wisdom, let him ask. 
God who gives generously. One eight, he he gives us a, a little bit of a of a qualifier there. When you ask for wisdom, you can't be double-minded about that. Now, I point that out, not just because I want to go back and spend a lot of time with double-mindedness, but I point that out because before we're done with this segment of wisdom, in chapter 4, verse 8, he's going to hit us again with that double-mindedness thing. Because it all fits together. There is something fundamentally connected with the acquisition of wisdom and not being double-minded in how we live. Now, double-minded, in, as James use it, uses it, is not talking about intellectual doubts. Like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. No, James is t- describing someone who's double-minded, who's trying to live in two different moral universes. Someone who is morally undecided. Switzerland, you know. No, no, but someone who's someone who is like saying, you know what? I, I, I you know, I, I kind of like some of the things about this God wisdom stuff, and and yet I kind of like some of the things about this, um, well, this ungodly stuff. I, I mean, have you looked at it lately? You know, so and we're we're not sure where we want to stand on that, and and that sort of uh, undecidedness uh, renders it impossible for God to graciously give us wisdom. You got to make up your mind where you want to stand. In other words, so, some of us might might ask for wisdom uh, because what we wish for is maybe like we want the appearance of wisdom. I just want you to think I'm wise, or, or we we might uh, we might want some of the some of the some of the benefits of wisdom. It'd be nice to have a little wisdom. Then maybe I would I could get one up on you in in, in this realm. But remember, if wisdom is moral skill for living. It's understanding the righteousness of God and understanding how to work that out into into our lives. Then we can't be morally undecided if we're going to ask God for wisdom. So we ask. How do we get this sort of wisdom and understanding? We ask God for it. We start with none of it. God has more than he needs a second component to that question, how do we get this wisdom? Um, it's in the book. So we, we, we ask him why we are reading. Um, interesting passage in Deuteronomy chapter four. Deuteronomy is three or four sermons, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it's three sermons, three sermons that Moses gives to the new generation of Israelites as they're about to embark into the promised land. And, and much of the book of Deuteronomy underscores the faithfulness of God. Much of the book of Deuteronomy underscores the, the need to obey the commands of God. And in that context, Moses, speaking of the need to obey the commands of God, he says in Deuteronomy 4, 6, keep them and do them, for they will be your wisdom and your understanding. Isn't that interesting? Same words. Who among you is wise and understanding? Moses is telling us that 
an important stepping stone, if you would, an important incremental process uh, to acquiring this wisdom so that we can show that we have this wisdom is knowing what God has said and doing what God has said. Now, James has touched on that same thing already as well in chapter one. Don't just, don't just hear the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And so James has already, in a sense, told us what Moses is telling us, but Moses specifically connects the knowing and doing with the acquisition of wisdom and understanding. Now, I think here's how this works itself out. Do you, you realize this? God hasn't told you a moral answer to every single nook and cranny of this universe. Uh, he, but, he's, but he sure has painted some pretty extensive uh, answers. And when you and I know what he has told us explicitly in his word, and we do what he has told us to explicitly do in his word, so for instance, I just... A silly example, silly, but we're not to lie, we're not to cheat, we're not to steal, we're not to slander, we're not to commit adultery. I mean, he's, he said, now, you got, I got these. In fact, let's just keep it at 10. No, all, right, all right, I got these 10 things. Well, in a sense, when we practice those things, we say, well, now, I've got a question over here that I haven't really found an explicit answer for in the Bible. But when you do the things that you do know that you're supposed to do, God builds up our hearts and minds with this thing called wisdom so that we have then the sense, the skill to know what to do in a particular area where there's not an explicit answer found in scripture on the other hand if you disregard what you do know to do well that's back to double mindedness you're trying to ask God for some sort of appearance or benefit of wisdom but you're not all in in doing what he has told you to do but you're wanting some sort of esoteric uh, uh, revelation as to what you should do when there isn't an explicit answer found in scripture if we would just do what we do know to do, what God has made clear, that we would be morally upright in the way that we live, particularly in the areas where God has explicitly revealed his will to us, then that builds our souls up in such a way that we're more apt to be able to sort out how to answer and work through the other questions. So we'll obey. And then... Thirdly, relatedly, ask, obey. Third answer, or third indicator is soak. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 99 say, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For it, is, uh, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditations. The habitual practice, the habit of ingesting God's word to such an, a point that that word even begins to become increasingly internalized in our hearts. It floods our souls with the revelation of God's word so that then we have this critter called wisdom and understanding and it begins to seep out in terms of our actions and our attitudes. It begins to show itself in our demeanor and in our deeds. And then last, Jesus. 
In other words, we can ask, we can try to obey, we can think about soaking, but all of that is for naught without a relationship with Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 tells us concerning Jesus um, that all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom reside in him. And so if we, if we want wisdom in its fullest sense, we have to live in relationship with Jesus. The one who came to this earth and demonstrated not only a, a life of perfect righteousness, but demonstrated a life of flawless wisdom, who nonetheless was treated as though he was unrighteous, who was regarded as though he was a fool, who went to the cross, and there at the cross he shed his blood and died for people like you and I, so that any and all who would turn to Jesus and trust only in him, the one whom God raised from the dead, the one whom God has declared to be Lord of lords and King of kings, knowing this Jesus, trusting in this Jesus, following in this Jesus is a starting point for a life that begins to show it to be wise and full of understanding. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what your word teaches us about Jesus, about his wisdom, and about how people like us could actually acquire such a thing as wisdom. For we don't start out with it, but we're grateful that you are generous in how you give it. So may we look to you, may we trust in you, may we follow you, and may you impart wisdom to us, a wisdom that would show itself in our works and in our meekness. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's